much that uh, you want us to work together, Lord, in this ministry of saving souls. We're really excited about this upcoming year, Lord. We really want to be involved in this, but I know that there are some who maybe have some hesitation, Lord. Maybe they're unsure of their ability or their talents, or maybe they just feel a little bit ordinary. As we learn about someone today who you are able to use, Lord, I pray that you would inspire us and move us to realize that if you could use a brother, if you could use a midget, if you could use someone with polio, you can use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Charles Spurgeon received a telegram one time when he was in London. And it was a telegram from a group of businessmen in the United States. He said, Mr. Spurgeon, we want you to come to the United States and give some lectures on motivation. We would like you to speak to our businessmen and teach them how they can be better in their business. Now, if you want to incorporate a little bit of Christianity, that's all right. We'll be okay with that. But we know that you have the ability of moving crowds, and we would like you to come and help our businessmen be better in their business. We'll give you $50,000 if you come. We'll pay for your uh, ship fare over, and we'll even bring your, pay for your wife and your children to come. We'd like the response in the next couple days. Please let us know if you can come. Spurgeon thought about it for a little while, and he, he wrote back to them and said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come to the United States. Because you see, if I come to the United States, you may give me $50,000. But if I stay here in England, I'm going to win 50 souls to Jesus, and there's no price you can pay me for that. You see, every great soul winner has this desire from within them to bring others to the Savior. Every great soul winner has soul winning on their mind. It's something that consumes them. It's something they can't stop thinking about. It's something that's just running through them. It almost flows through their veins. It's something that they desire. They want to see others in the kingdom. They've had an experience with God, and they want to reach out to others. You know, a quotation that's one of my favorites from Desire of Ages, page 187. It says, every true disciple is born into the kingdom of God as a missionary. As they've received Christ, they now desire to give. You see, friends, it's not enough for us to simply receive Christ. We got to have this desire to go out and to win souls. Every great soul winner had it. But, you know, some people have, over the years, began to think, you know, that's great. I love the soul winners. I love to hear about Spurgeon. I love to hear about Mark Finley. I love to hear about Doug Batchelor. But, you know, I'm not them. I don't have the kind of abilities or talents that they have. I don't have the kind of charisma, and I don't have the ability to stand up in the pulpit and preach a sermon like them and to thousands of people. I'm I'm scared to go up front. I, I can't do things like that. Some of us think that we are too ordinary. And we read the scripture this morning. It said in 1 Corinthians 1.26, we read it already. It said that uh, not many mighty are called. But God has chosen what kind of people? The weak, the foolish, to confound the wise. We find that in the Bible, it doesn't say that God chooses only the Doug Bachelors and the Mark Finley. While some of them may be there, not many of those are called, but God decides to call people like us, ordinary, common people. I want to tell you today about three people. 
a brother, a midget, and a woman with polio. And I'd like to share with you how God was able to use them powerfully. This brother was someone who was very ordinary. He did not write one book of the Bible. He did not preach one sermon. He did not give one Bible study. He did not perform a miracle. He was not seen in Scripture as leading out a, or being in charge of a church, being a pastor of a church, yet God was able to use him powerfully. I want to invite you to go to John chapter 1. As we look at this brother, John chapter 1 and verse 40. In John 1, it's the beautiful example where Jesus says to behold the Lamb of God, or John says, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And among those people who heard about this was this brother. And in John chapter 1, it introduces this brother to you and I. It says, in verse 40, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's, what everybody? Brother. Ooh, okay, we're going to have to work on that. Simon Peter's brother. Now, are you guys know, uh, know as any of you known as someone's brother or someone's sister? Yeah? I have three older brothers. And I remember one time, I was actually at my brother's house for his birthday. And he had a lot of friends over, some who uh, I didn't know or didn't know me. And he decided to be a nice brother. He said, I'm going to make Eric a plate of food. So he puts together a plate of food. And he goes over to one of his friends and says, hey, can you give this plate of food to Eric? Guy kind of grabs the plate of food under under his breath. He's like, who's Eric? Luckily, there was a friend right next to him who whispers over and says, oh, hey, that's Eric, Lucian's little brother. The guy's like, oh, that's who he is. It's Lucian's little brother. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that guy know who I am? Oh, I need some interaction here. Does that guy know who I am? No. He only knows me in light of who? Of my brother Lucian, right? He only knows me through my brother. In other words, when, when the Bible writer here, when John is writing about Andrew, he's writing verse 40, and he's saying one of the two which followed him and heard him speak was Andrew, and he's almost about to go to verse 41. But, he's, but in that moment, it's kind of like John's like, oh, man, they're not going to know who this guy is. I better write Simon Peter's brother. That tells us that Andrew was someone who was not very well known. He was always kind of living in the shadow of his brother. Do you guys know Simon Peter? Oh, yeah, right? Simon Peter spoke out, very outspoken, very loud, goes on, preaches uh, on the day of Pentecost and does all these big things. We know a lot about Peter, but we don't know much about Andrew. But even though Andrew was ordinary, even though Andrew was common, even though Andrew's not seen giving any Bible studies or preaching any sermons, I want you to know how God was able to use him powerfully. Verse 41, it says, And he first finds his own brother Simon and says to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And verse 42, don't miss it. He brought him to who, everybody? Ooh, he brought him to? Jesus. You see, every time you read about Andrew, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. This quiet, ordinary man with no special talents, no special gifts, finds his brother Peter and brings him to Jesus. Peter then goes on. 
and does some amazing work. He writes that great epistle of Peter, does some big things for the Lord, all because his brother, uh, Andrew, brought him to Christ. You see, Andrew had an influence far out of proportion to who he was and the talents that he had. Andrew had this, uh, you know, even though Andrew maybe did not have many abilities, you know, I've heard it once said that God is not dependent on our ability, but our availability. You see, he was available and God was able to use him to just simply grab his brother and say, hey, you got to hear this guy, Jesus. He didn't do much, but he brought him to Jesus. You see, Andrew was able to be used by the Lord, even though he did not have much he could offer, even though he felt like he was weak, God was able to use him to do some powerful things. We see him once in John 1. And I want you to see the second time we see him in John chapter 6. Let's go there really quick. John chapter 6. Let's look at the second time we see Andrew. In John chapter 6. Now in John 6, it's the feeding of the 5,000. And after being there for quite a while, I'm sure the people started to get a little bit hungry. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we, we need to feed these people. We need to give them something to eat. Philip's like, how are we going to do that? We don't have enough money. But even though they did not have money, even though they did not have the ability to do that, someone comes up out of the disciples and speaks up. His name is Andrew. I want you to see what it says about him in John chapter 6 and verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, what are those next words? Simon Peter's brother. There he is again, living in the shadow of his brother, don't know much about him or who he is. Simon Peter's brother said unto him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Andrew, seeing this need, goes over to a little boy with some food, with some fishes and loaves of bread, and he takes that little boy. What does he do? He brings the little boy to Jesus. Every time you read about Andrew, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. And as that little boy takes those loaves and fishes, it's not much. But when those loaves and fishes hit the hands of Jesus, what happens to them? Oh, man. Let me say this. Don't miss this. Little in the hands of Jesus is much. And small in the hands of Jesus is great. God takes those of us who feel like we don't have much, who feel like maybe we're weak. And when we take and we place ourselves in his hands, God is able to multiply the talents that we have. Can you say amen? God is able to do some amazing things, friends. Let me tell you about somebody who was able to just simply take what they had, the little they had, and place it in the hands of Jesus, and God was able to use him powerfully. There was a pastor who went and visited uh, a conference in, or the conference in Brazil. And when the conference president met him, he said, Pastor, you've got to meet Ramon. You just have to meet Ramon. Pastor said, okay, what's so special about Ramon? You got to meet Ramon. Ramon has actually won 1,200 souls to Christ. He's seen 1,200 people baptized because of his work. You got to meet him. Pastor's like, oh man, (laughs) better go meet Ramon, see what this guy's all about. So he goes to Ramon's house, knocks on the door, the door opens, and he looks ahead and he sees nothing. He then moves his head down and he sees a midget. His name is Ramon. Middle-aged man in his 40s. Pastor's like, wow, good to meet you. Come on in. Talks to Ramon for a little while and says, 
Ramon, I've heard so many great things that you're doing in this conference. You're doing some amazing things for the Lord. He said, yes. He says, what is your secret? He said, pastor, I'll show you what I do. Now, how many of you want to know what Ramon does? Okay. I do, right? What do you do, Ramon? Three steps, pastor. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to teach them to you right now. So we're going to practice these three steps. And we're going to go home. Win 1,200 souls for Christ. All right? Sound good? Okay. So step number one. Step number one, he says, Pastor, you got to smile. All right. So we're going to practice this together. When uh, I say go, we're going to practice step number one. All right. Go. Okay. All right. Everybody's smiling. Good. I want to see those teeth. Good. Great smiles. Beautiful smiles. Okay. So step number one, you got to smile. Pastor says, okay. So he smiles. Then you got to go like this. Okay, so everybody, let's smile. All right, then let's practice. Go like this. Okay, cool. All right. So he says, great. Then, pastor, after you smile and you go like this, I want you to go like this. All right. So let's practice this. Smile and go like this, like this. Let's try one more time. I see not everyone participating. Let's do it together. Smile, go like this, and like this. He says, pastor, what do you... Or Ramon, what are you talking about? Go like this and go like this. He says, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. This is the action of me putting in the DVD. And this is the action of me pressing play on the DVD player. <laughs> he says, Pastor, I've not preached one sermon. I've not given one Bible study. All I do is I invite 10 to 12 people over to my house. I go like this and I go like this. You go up and you, Pastor preach the sermon. I actually have your sermons. After you finish preaching the sermon, I go up and I say, don't you want to do what the pastor said? And I've won 1,200 souls to Christ that way. Wow. Can anyone here not go like this? Can anyone here not do this? Oh, friends, we've made it so complicated. We think it's about the pulpit. Let me tell you that Ramon has won, it's a psalm thought, but Ramon has won more people to Christ than many pastors, many ministers have won to Christ in an entire lifetime of being in ministry. It's a very solemn thought. But the reality is we think that it's all about the pulpit. We think it's all about the person in the front. It's not, friends. It's about going and just simply inviting people over to your home. Throwing on Doug Batchelor. He's the one who, pre- I mean, just... Let him do the work, you know? That's what he's there for, right? I mean, you don't have to be the one that gives us the sermon necessarily. We would love to, the Bible workers would love to work with you if you want to learn how to do that yourself. But if you feel not qualified to do that, at least bring someone over and share with them about Jesus. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. We made it so complicated. And here, Andrew understands this. He finds his brother, the closest person to him, the person he's been with his whole life, and he brings him to Christ. He finds a little boy looked down upon by many of the people at that time, probably just shoved across, not that important, in that big multitude in that crowd, and he brings that little boy with the fishes to Jesus. And then the third time, we see Andrew. He does something very special, what he always does. In John chapter 12, let's go there. Last time we see Andrew, John chapter 12, and look at verse 20. Jesus here is, 
worshiping together with the people at the, at the feast, or there's a group of people there worshiping at the feast, and as they are there, there's a, a special moment, a window of opportunity that Andrew takes advantage of. It says there in verse 20, Now, there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship up at the feast. Then they who came to Philip, who was a Bethsaida of Galilee, asked him, saying, Sir, we would wish to see Jesus. Philip comes and tells Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. There's a group of Greeks here, worshiping together at the feast, and they recognize that there's a moment. Uh, Andrew hears about this, and he decides to go. He knows this is a window of opportunity. If he misses this chance, these Greeks may not get to know Jesus, so he goes to them, and he grabs this group of them and says, hey, just come and follow me. I know where Jesus is at. And he introduces them to Jesus. Every time you see Andrew, he's bringing someone else to Jesus. But you know what's so amazing about this verse? Is that there's something different about Andrew. I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if you saw it. There's something different about Andrew in this verse than the last two times we've seen him. What's different? Ooh, say, say that one more time. Ah, did you guys catch that? It doesn't say Simon Peter's brother. Now, why did it say that before? Ah, what does that mean about Andrew then? He's becoming known. What is he becoming known for, friends? Wouldn't it be amazing if even if your name never got on Hope Channel, wouldn't it be amazing if even if your name never got up in the Adventist Review or put up front or in the box of a church or whatever it is, even if your name was not very well known, wouldn't it be amazing if when your name came up, they would say, you know, I don't know too much about that person, but she or he is someone who brings other people to Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing, friends? If every single one, if we could have that reputation, where it's like, you know what? By this time, they know Andrew. Andrew is someone who brings others to Christ. Friends, let me tell you, God wants you and I to have that kind of reputation. And it does not mean that you have to be up here, preach sermons, give an evangelistic series, do some huge things for the Lord. It can be as simple as bringing a brother to Jesus. It could be as simple as bringing a friend to Christ. It could be as simple as inviting your coworker or inviting someone that you, you, you uh, hang out with, that you see at the gym or whatever it is, it's simply by using your influence for the kingdom of God. Every one of us has someone that no one else can bring to Christ. You know people I have no idea about. I don't, I don't have any kind of influence on them. David doesn't. The pastors don't. You alone can reach out to that person. You have a special type of influence. And this year, in full circle, we need your help, friends. We need you to come on board and work together like a wheel within a wheel. Use your influence, your talents, whatever they are, and put them in the hands of Jesus. I promise you, friends, he'll multiply them. I'm going to do some amazing things this upcoming year. Remember, God is not dependent upon our ability, but our availability. Got to be willing. All we got to do is be willing to let him use us, and he'll accomplish some big things. I want to end. I've told you about the brother, and I've told you about the midget. I want to end with telling you about the last person. A woman 
who at the age of 17 was diagnosed with a terrible disease, Bobar polio. She was uh, diagnosed with this disease at a young age, and she found the Lord. She found the Advent message, and she was really big in her faith and her beliefs, and uh, she wanted to do something for the Lord, but there was some issues. There was a couple, there was a problem because her disease caused her to be paralyzed from the neck down. She could not even breathe on her own. The polio had reached into her diaphragm, and so she could not breathe on her own. So she had to get this huge iron lung that would breathe for her. She could not take food and put it in her own mouth. She had to have someone feed her, and she was in a nursing home, bedridden, and one day she calls the pastor. Pastor, I'd like a visit from you. pastor said, sure, I'd love to come on by, see how you're doing. The pastor comes and takes a seat next to her and says, pastor, I, I called you here because I have a favor to ask you. I says, okay, what's the favor? If you go over here in my room and go to the second drawer over here, reach down and Go under some of the documents I have there. You'll find a stack of Bible study guides. You see, Pastor, I have a couple Bible students, 39 of them, by the way, that I've been studying with, and I've been a little bit busy recently, and I could use your help to correct some of the Bible study guides. Here was a woman who was paralyzed from the neck down, could not even breathe on her own, but felt the call of God to witness. And even though she could not leave the place, her, her own room or the nursing home, she would pray that God would bring people into her nursing home so that she could witness to them. And from an iron lung, she was giving 39 different Bible studies. God can use ordinary people, friends. God can use those of us who are simply willing to be used. This morning, how many of you recognize that God can use you? Let me see your hands. How many of you want to say, but Lord, I know that you can use me. I recognize that you can use anyone, Lord. But Lord, I want you to help me to get involved this upcoming year to use the talents that you have given me for this cycle of evangelism. Lord, I want you to help me, Lord, to do that for you this year. Let me see your hands. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that if you could use a brother, if you could use a midget, Lord, if you could use someone with polio, Father, you can use someone like us. Help us, Lord, to no longer make excuses. Lord, what's our excuse? What do we have to say to you, Lord? If these people were able to be used by you, what excuse do we have? Father, all it is is a willing heart. I pray, Lord, that if, if there are some who maybe aren't willing, Lord, I pray that you would make us willing to be willing. Lord, that you would place that desire in our heart to go and to get involved, Lord. Those who've raised their hands, Lord, I pray that you would help them and, and give them the courage to be involved. It does not mean that they have to do something big, but 
even behind the scenes, Lord, we see that you can use people who are behind the scenes to accomplish a great work. Help us, Lord, to be involved in whatever capacity or way that we can. Help us to no longer be sitting on the pews, Lord. Help us to get up and be involved so that we can see you come. So that this picture that's next to me will be a reality, Lord. Pray that all of us could be there on that day and bring others with us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're blessed this morning. Amen. Thank you for that powerful sermon, Brother Eric. And why don't we sing about that experience of seeking the lost? Let's stand together and sing our closing hymn, 373, Seeking the Lost. <laughs>